afternoon. Hasn't it been incredible so far? Just spending time together. It's been brilliant. Well, um, thank you for having me. My name is Laura. As was mentioned before, uh, I live in Birmingham with my husband, Andy, who is the youth pastor in our church, uh, and with my Labradoodle, Archie. I'm a big fan of dogs. Um, and I get to be with you guys this afternoon, which is such an honour. And I'm going to be just sharing with you guys for a couple of minutes around the theme that we're looking at this afternoon, the greatest story. Now, uh, as was mentioned, my job is that I work for a charity called Youth for Christ. And as a part of that, I go around the country and I get to speak at different things every so often. And so I'm a big fan of stories. Stories are really important to me. I'm always looking for a good story. And thankfully, I'm the kind of person that embarrasses myself enough to provide myself with some really good material for stories. So you'll be hearing a little bit of that this evening and this afternoon, sorry, as we kind of spend time together. Um, but I find stories fascinating. You see, I believe that as humans, we are wired for stories. I believe that we are wired to hear and see stories. You see, when you hear a piece of information as a person, when you hear a story, your brain comes to life in the way that no other thing does. You see, if you're listening to like a, a presentation or an explanation of something, your brain will kind of process it. But if you hear a story, your brain explodes with life. It's almost as if we are designed to hear stories. And what happens is uh, within this, chemicals are released in our brains. And the first chemical that is released in our brains uh, is called cortisol. And, and this, when this is released, it makes you stop and it makes you pay attention. It's the same uh, chemical that is released when you're kind of in danger, but it's, it's telling you, you need to pay attention to this. This is important. It's as if we're designed to listen. The second chemical that is released is called one called dopamine. And uh, this chemical is an interesting one. It's a happy hormone. It makes you feel joy. And so when you hear a story, you're filled with a sense of enjoyment. And there's something that makes you want to hear it. And not only that, when you hear a story, but when you tell a story, that same chemical is released. It's like when a story is told, a connection is made. And then there is a third chemical, and this one is really interesting. It's a chemical called oxytocin. And that chemical is about empathy, about understanding. You hear a story, and what happens is you begin to put yourself in that story. You feel for the person in the story. It's almost like you hear a story and are called to join in. Isn't that amazing? And I wonder whether we are wired for stories for a reason and a purpose. I wonder whether actually we are wired for the greatest story. If there were one story that we were designed to hear, the greatest story. And I wonder whether this Christmas we could entertain the idea that this might be the Christmas story. And I believe there's a picture uh, that, that's going to come up of uh, the Christmas story. Now, maybe when I say the greatest story, this is what you think of, and you think, hmm, it's a bit of an anticlimax, actually. I was kind of hoping you were going to say Star Wars. Um, but, but maybe when you think of this, you think, well, it doesn't feel like the greatest story to me, Christmas, actually. Um, it seems a little bit, little bit much. And if you're sitting here thinking, we're talking about Christmas story being the greatest story, and actually you're a little <coughs> underwhelmed by that, I wonder whether we've got the right end of the stick when we're hearing the story. You see, I believe that people know what stories do to us. Marketing companies know the effects that stories have, and so stories have been used. They have been used to sell us things. They've been used to manipulate us. They've been used to 
um, fuel propaganda. You could even use the term fake news. That there's stuff that we've been sold through stories which has just ended in anticlimax. But I believe that if we truly understood the greatest story, there will be something of awe in that, not a sense of fake. Let me tell you a story. Um, a few years ago, I went on holiday uh, with some friends of mine to Gran Canaria. Now, uh, there were about seven of us in the group, and we all worked for a church. It was a very calm and respectable sort of holiday. And uh, we went, and we decided that we were going to do two trips on this holiday. One had to be a water park, because I love water parks. And the other one, we wanted a kind of relaxing boat ride. And so we sent some of the boys of the group out to go and negotiate and cut a deal uh, for us with some of the guys who were kind of doing the tourism in the area. And these guys went out. And uh, they came back with two, two day tickets. First of all, to the water park, which of course we were all thrilled about. Uh, and then this incredible boat trip. And um, it was towards the end of the week. So we were really excited. We were looking forward to this boat trip. Uh, and, and what they, they had been described was that we were going to go on this boat and there's like a jacuzzi on the boat and a lot of us were in couples so it's all very nice for us and we would drink Prosecco and there was live music and we would go and uh, we would then dock on a beach somewhere and have a barbecue and then we'd travel back at sunset right down my street so I thought brilliant and we were all so excited and there were moments I don't know whether you've had this where we were lying there going oh, I can't wait till Thursday it's going to be incredible so we were so excited um, and, and we, we got there and uh, we got there on the Thursday and began to look around. At which point, something didn't sit right with me. I looked at the other people going on this boat trip and I began to become suspicious. We went up to the boat and rather than the boat looking like the one you just saw, uh, the boat actually looked much more like this. <laughs> and um, for those of you who are happy to read between the lines, uh, most of the people going on this boat were between the ages of 18 and 30. And uh, we played some games on that boat, and they were not games that I would play with my youth group. And um, by the end of the day, my eyes stung, partly through what I witnessed, but also because part of the way through the afternoon, they'd had a phone party. And to save costs, instead of using actual foam, they just used fairy liquid. And so we had been pelted in the face with fairy liquid. Our eyes stung, they were blurry, the floor of the ship was an absolute hazard. People were falling all over the place. Fair to say, it was not my favorite day. But do you know, that day I've been inspecting the incredible and I have been sold the fake. And I wonder how often with Christmas, there's so much build-up, so much expectation that we expect the incredible, even of God. But so often what we're sold is the fake. And so I want to spend uh, a few minutes with you guys just looking through the Christmas story. You see, I believe that Christmas is about so much more than it has become. I think that it has become, if we're honest, uh, even for me to an extent, a time where we are busy, where we run around frantically buying presents for people on a countdown clock, spending money that we can't really afford to spend on people who have already got plenty of things anyway and didn't really want the presents. We then end up eating and eating and eating and making ourselves feel slightly sick because we didn't want to offend the person who did the cooking. And then we get to Boxing Day and think, oh, was that what it was all about? And I want to say this evening that I don't believe it is. You see, I believe that this is the greatest story. And I want to spend a few minutes retelling the greatest story. And I, I want to kind of put a, um, a little subheading on this to say, do you know, this story is so great that it 
It goes beyond the universe. It is broader than the universe and it extends longer than time itself and eternity. And I personally, as a human, do not feel capable of recounting the epicness of this story. And so I'm just going to try and give us a glimpse this afternoon as we share together. And so, like every good story, it has a beginning, a middle and an end. And so I want to begin at the beginning of the story. Unsurprisingly, there was a passage that um, you'll have heard just a second ago as the readings came up from 1 John. And I'd love to just spend a couple of minutes um, rereading this. You see, uh, when we look at the Christmas story, we remember that picture of the nativity. What we actually see is a glimpse of the middle of the story. So I want to take us right back to the beginning. Now, when we read this passage in John, um, it talks about the word. And actually, the word is Jesus. Jesus before he was a baby. And so that is what we're reading when we talk about the word. So this is from John chapter 1. In the beginning, the word, Jesus, already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. He created, God created everything through him and nothing was created except Through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, but they did not recognize him, and they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, we look at the nativity story, and actually, this story begins even before our beginning. It is wider and deeper and more epic than we can possibly imagine, than our brains can really even contain. If you think back right before even the beginning of our time, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit exists in this limitless expanse. And because God is a God of love, he decides to create. But he knows what he wants to create won't exist. It can't exist in that limitless expanse. It's too much for us. And so he creates a kind of greenhouse where we can be housed safely. And the universe is breathed into existence. And we, as humanity, uh, are created. And the interesting thing about humanity is that I think we have somehow gotten used to existing apart from God. You see, humanity really only makes sense in partnership with God. Humanity was created to be so intimate with God that the two things can't be separated. Uh, Forgive me, but if you think about Nesquik cereal... So you've got a bowl of Nesquik, and it's chocolate powder, and it's milk. And if you take one of those two things away, it's no longer Nesquik cereal. That was what it was with humanity and God. We were so designed to be in relationship with God that our humanity only fully makes sense in relationship with him. And yet we look around at our creation and we thought, do you know, we can do this without you. And so humanity takes a step away from God. That relationship becomes broken. The world breaks in response. And ever since then, we've been trying to make sense of our humanity watch the world fray at the edges. And I don't know whether you get a sense of the truth of that when you look around at the hurt and the pain in our world, that something isn't quite as it should be. And Jesus, the Word, who breathed everything into existence, through him, everything was created, knew that there would be a point in time when he would have to enter into that greenhouse and begin to put things right. 
Do you know it's incredible? If you're not familiar with church, God really wanted us to know about Jesus coming to earth. Um, in the Bible, there are these things called prophecies where God tells people bits of information before they happen. And in the Bible, there are over 300 prophecies, hundreds of years before Jesus even came to the earth to tell us where Jesus would be born, where he would grow up, what he would do, even how he would die. Jesus did not want us to miss a thing. God did not want us to miss this sign. Why? Because it's epic and we only make sense. Our existence only makes sense in relationship with him and yet... We missed it. How did we do that? Let me tell you a story. So a few years ago, I was on holiday. I'm afraid all my stories this evening are holiday-based. I'm not trying to make you jealous. Um, a few years ago, I went on holiday, and uh, I, I love a bit of an adventure. That's who I am. I really love a bit of an adventure. So me and my husband, we decided that we were going to do something really cool. We thought, let's go walking with lions. So that's what we did. So we went to this place where you get to hang out with these lions, and uh, you walked into this kind of wooden shack and the first thing you were handed was like a document, a piece of paper. And you had to basically sign your life away to say, do you know what? I was probably going to get eaten by a lion at some point anyway, so just don't worry about it. And uh, you had to sign this piece of paper and they told you things. Things like, um, when you're with the lions, don't walk in front of the lions. Because when your back's turned, they might kill you. Oh, okay. And don't go on your mobile because then you'll be distracted and the lions might see that you're distracted and they might kill you. Oh, and don't shout because the lions might become alarmed and then kill you. And don't run because they might see you as prey and then they might kill you. Don't expose your neck. Don't bend down and expose your neck because then they might kill you. Um, and when you stroke the lion, stroke them really hard because if you don't, they might think that you're a fly and then they might swipe at you and they might kill you. And so we went in to this thing thinking, oh my goodness, what have we signed up for? But then the guys like the team who look after the lions said, it's fine though, it's okay. We're going to give you something to protect you. Oh, that's so brilliant. I was expecting like a massive gun with tranquilizer darts. Or maybe a full suit of armour, like body protection and walking in like this. They handed me, if you can put the, the picture back up, you'll see it. See that rubber pole in my hand? <laughs> I'm not even joking. They give us this rubber pole. And um, they said, as long as you've got this pole in your hand, you're perfectly safe. Because they know that anyone who has one of those is with us. They won't touch you as long as you're carrying your pole. I'm not convinced, but they seem to know what they were doing. Anyway, there are about 12 of us. So we all line up. And uh, the lions are kind of released from their, from their uh, area, their enclosure, to come into this massive park that we're going to walk with them. And... Um, at first, the, the 12 of us are stood there with our sticks right here. Like, I, I really want them to see that I'm with the guys that they shouldn't eat. Uh, and we're stood behind our sticks, but as these lions come out, they are incredible. They are powerful and terrifying and massive. And there's just this sense of awe. Like you're terrified to go anywhere near them, but they're so beautiful you can't look away from them. It was incredible. And we walked around this enclosure for about 45 minutes and I had a GoPro in one hand and I had my sturdy rubber pole in the other and uh, as I was walking around I was getting a bit annoyed with having to have two hands busy so I thought it was quite innovative put my GoPro into the top of my rubber pole and became like some filming Gandalf walking around with my stick uh, and I, I went around at this for a while and then there was this awesome photo opportunity so um, you, you went up and they took a picture. So I gave my GoPro to one of the other guys in the group and I like, took some massive strides towards, towards this lion. And one of the guys goes, stop! And I did. 
He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. And I looked at my hands and my pole wasn't in my hands anymore. I was just waltzing towards this lion who was seeing me as lunch and I had left the thing behind that was really significant. You see, what had happened is I carried that pole with me for so long that it had lost its significance. Rather than being this, this important thing, this thing that was pivotal, it had become my GoPro holder. And I'd handed it to this guy and just waltzed towards this lion. You know, so often we become so over-familiar with things that they completely lose their significance. And you know at Christmas this is something that so often happens with the story of Jesus. The beginning of the story is epic, but the middle, the middle is astounding. Uh, There is so much detail in the birth of Jesus and the narrative of Jesus. And there's so much that we miss. And we don't have time, unless I was going to take you through till Monday morning, which I don't think you'll appreciate, uh, for me to unpack so much of the richness of the birth of Jesus, so much of what is in there. But I would love to just share something of that with you. Something of the middle. And so I'm going to read now um, a little passage that already came up this evening and we already heard a little bit of. But this is a a reading from Luke chapter 2. It says this. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken while Quirinus was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He travelled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. There's real significance in the story um, of Jesus. And his birth. And if nothing else, I would really encourage you to go away and look into some of this for yourself. Just some of the beauty of the story. But I would love to tell you one piece. Um, It said in that passage that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which is true. Uh, You'll be relieved to know. And um, when Jesus kind of was about, there were two languages that that were spoken by his people. They would have been really familiar with. And those two languages were Hebrew and Aramaic. Now, in Bethlehem, uh, Bethlehem in Hebrew actually means house of bread. And uh, the reason for that is that on the east side of Bethlehem, it's completely covered in wheat fields, wheat and barley, everywhere. Um, And so Bethlehem was known as the house of bread. But where there is wheat and barley and crops, there are often animals. And so... um, There were loads and loads of sheep that were kept around Bethlehem as well. So on the northwest side of Bethlehem, there were just sheep, fields of sheep and of livestock. And so uh, in Aramaic, Bethlehem is actually known as the house of meat. Now, for those of you who um, go to church regularly or take communion, you will kind of, in your mind, you begin to have this imagery of what it means for the body of Christ and the flesh of Christ to become bread. And there's a whole load of stuff in there. But, but if you come back to me, that this is the house of meat and all these sheep. Now, about six miles away from Bethlehem is the city of Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, there's this massive temple. And every day in the temple, two lambs are sacrificed. And they are perfect lambs. Now, the reason for that is because the Jewish people were kind of, on the behalf of humanity, on behalf of the Jewish people, putting right some of the stuff that went wrong when we stepped away from God, right back at the beginning of the story. They were putting things right with God through sacrificing two lambs every day, two perfect lambs. 
but not just any lambs. These lambs came from Bethlehem. And so the sheep that were raised and looked after in Bethlehem, the lambs had to be perfect. They were important lambs. And what would happen is that nothing could be wrong with them, there could be no defect. And so when these lambs were born, what the shepherds would do is they would take the lambs and because their legs would be kicking around everywhere, is they would take a lamb, they would wrap it in swaddling clothes and they would place it in a manger. And so when the shepherds rock up to see Jesus just born, wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger, those guys knew exactly what they were looking at. They were looking at a lamb from Bethlehem. They were looking at a baby who would become a man and would eventually be a sacrifice for the whole of humanity to be brought back to God. This is epic. This is just the middle of the story. A baby that would never mean to stay a baby and yet so often we walk away from the story there. We walk away from the story at the point where the baby has been born. The baby is born as this perfect sacrifice and we leave the story there. Do you know it makes no sense to leave in the middle of a story? I'm going to show you a YouTube clip. Um, now, uh, I'm a youth worker at heart, so I love these kinds of things. And um, this is not something I've actually done yet, but this is something at some point I'm planning to do. And so I would really encourage you guys in the Christmas break, have a great time. Um, this is a cool video of a guy... And what he does is he takes a watermelon. It's two guys. They're called the slow-mo guys. And they take a watermelon. And I don't know if you, any of you have done this. You, you half a watermelon by putting elastic bands around it. So you, uh, it takes a while. So you see these two guys, and they get these plastic bands, hundreds of plastic bands. They put them on the watermelon. Put them on the watermelon. Put, 20 minutes later, the watermelon begins to creak. And then eventually it explodes, and it is incredible. And what these guys do brilliantly is basically, unsurprisingly for the slow-mo guys, is that they film everything in slow motion. So you see this watermelon explode in slow motion, and it looks completely awesome. Would you mind showing the video? Would that be okay? Thank you so much. Hello, Internet. How you doing? Hi, right. Internet. Yeah. So I saw a crazy Japanese video where people were... Putting, oh, that's a good shot, putting rubber bands around a watermelon. And uh, I'm quite thirsty for watermelon right now, so we're going to cut one open using the classic Japanese method by the sound of it. Here we go, start doing it. Yeah, yeah. Pile them on. This might take a while. This could take some time. video there. <laughs> Who walks away partway through a story? It makes no sense. You feel irritated, there's a sense of unfinished business, you're really annoyed, but yet every, I'm really not showing the end, every Christmas, <laughs> you can Google it at home, go on YouTube, every Christmas this is what we do. We get partway through a story just before the most important piece and then we walk away and we leave it there and we wonder why we feel unsatisfied. Do you know the story isn't over? 
You know, Jesus grew up to be a man. He died to put things right, to put God's story right, to put God's story right with humanity, but to put our personal stories right with God as well. And so to leave that baby lying in a manger makes no sense at all. Do you know, I believe that um, tonight, this afternoon, God wants to invite you into his bigger story. I think for some of us here, it may well be that um, we have been to church for years and years. And this is like our 117th Christmas, obviously not literally. Well, maybe some of you, I don't know. Um, But for some of us, we've had so many Christmases and this is just another Christmas, another Christmas where we're buying more presents, doing more stuff, being busy. And do you know to you, I want to say, why don't you take some time this Christmas to rediscover something about the wonder and the epicness of the greatest story. But for some of us, here, it may be our first time in church. It may be that we've been to church for a while, but we've never really seriously considered what God's greatest story looks like. The story of humanity, the story of bringing everything back round to all that it was created to be. And I don't know if um, you watch the news or you watch something like Big Planet and you sit there and something deep inside of you knows that this is not how things were meant to be. I want to say to you that the story is not over yet. That actually God is inviting us into his story. That he's saying to you, do you know what? I have written the end of the story, but the story is not over. You have a part to play. And the incredible thing is that as we step into God's story, our own stories are transformed. And it's a big thing saying, I want to be a part of God's story. I want a relationship with God. I want things to be put right. I want to know what it means to be truly human again. It's a huge deal saying that because what happens is we lay down our own story and say, God, it's yours. I'm so sorry for where I stepped away from you and done things that I didn't, didn't understand the significance of. But I, I'm laying my story down and I want to be a part of your story. And what I want to say to you is that It doesn't mean that your story will become a fairy tale. If I'm really honest with you, I've had a pretty tough week. And do you know, in all of the darkest moments, it's okay. Because I know that my story is contributing to God's bigger story. And even in the hardest moments of my story, I know that God is pulling it round. Pulling everything back round to be a part of the story that he is writing for humanity. And so I would love to to give an invitation for some of you guys to step into God's story for the first time this evening. Now, I'm going to explain how I'm going to do that so it doesn't seem too kind of weird uh, or unexpected for you. So in a second, uh, not now, but in a moment, I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes so we are as private in a massive room full of people as we can be. I'm going to say a prayer. And if you would like to step into a relationship with God for the first time, to say, yes, I want to lay down my story. I'm so sorry for the things and the times when I've stepped away from your story and I want to lay my story down. If you want to do that, I would love you to pray the prayer with me. But so it's not awkward, I would love everybody actually to repeat the prayer that I'm going to pray as well so everyone's not looking at the person speaking out loud next to them. So if we can all do that, that would be really cool. And then while everyone's eyes are still closed, what I'm going to ask you to do is just to indicate to me, maybe just by raising your hand, if you've prayed that prayer. Now, the reason I'm asking you to do that is because we have some books 
uh, that will be really helpful for you to read. Uh, that if, if you are making that decision uh, called Why Christmas, and I would love you to come and get one from me at the end. But also just so some of the team know roughly how many people might want to chat at the end as well. That would be really helpful. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask everybody to, to close their eyes. And if you're still looking at me at this point, it means your eyes aren't closed. So please close them. If you can still see me, that's great. And I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray a line at a time, and I would love it if you would pray after me. <coughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you for the greatest story. Thank you that you want to put this story right. Thank you that you sent your son to this earth to restore humanity to all that it was meant to be. And this afternoon, I would love to give you my story. I'm sorry for when I've lived my story the wrong way. but I want this story to be yours. Help me to step into a relationship with you. And let my story become your story. Amen. Now if everybody could keep their eyes closed, that would be so great. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, to have a relationship with God, to hand your story over to him. While everyone's eyes are closed, would you just mind popping up your hand for me, just so that I can see who you are? That's fantastic. If you could just keep your hand up for a second. There are quite a few people, so don't be, don't be scared of doing that. Great. Thank you so much. I'm just going to pray for you guys. God, I thank you for the people who just raised their hands. I thank you that... Um, that you love them, that you love us. And God, I thank you for your story. I pray that this Christmas might be one where they know the greatest story for the first time and encounter you, a God who adores them, in a brand new way. Amen. Great, you can open your eyes. If you pop your hand up then, and if you did say that prayer for the first time, whether you put your hands up or not, please, please do come and see me. At the end, uh, or Gareth, who is going to come up in a second, we would absolutely love to chat to you. Uh, we'd also love to give you one of these little booklets. It's a kind of what now thing. So uh, if you did say that prayer, please do come and, and chat to me. Uh, but Gareth, would you like to come and share? Great. Thank you, Laura. So, Laura, great. Thank you so much. You know, often when people... Um, might pray that prayer of um, entering into God's story and inviting God into their story, this mutual kind of relationship. Um, people often say, well, what, what's next? And how do you begin that? And how do you grow in that? And maybe you're here this evening and you're not ready to say yes to invite God into your life and to join in the story of God for, the, for, for your life. And um, people often have different questions um, that they're asking about life, faith, and Christianity, and spirituality. And um, so we at this church, we run a series of evenings called Alpha. And here's a little introduction um, to what Alpha is, and then I'll say a little bit more after that.